Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Kyle Jackson, who is the co-founder and CEO of Tailspin, an enterprise solutions software company that um, does virtual reality. You may have seen Tailspin in the news lately. They've got a a virtual uh, human being who... um, you can fire over and over and over again as you learn to do difficult conversations. How are you, Kyle? Good, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's it's it, it must be it must be crazy to be the inventor of a guy you get to fire over and over again. <laughs> it's become an interesting uh it's become an interesting demo for sure. You know, we uh we put that out there as as a as a bit of a test is to see if, if, if you could actually have an emotional experience with a, a virtual human. Um, and obviously we wanted to pick a topic that was familiar and uncomfortable and, 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 you know, the same time, um, universal. Um, and it turns out that, uh, yeah, it can be really highly effective. And, um, and ultimately, you know, we're not building simulations to fire people. Really. We're not, I mean, that's not even being sold. It's, it's, uh, it's, open the door for things that are more around, you know, the difficult conversations that actually should be empowering, um, you know, teaching people manager feedback and teaching other leadership skills and interviewing skills and, and negotiation skills and all the things that you just, you know, you do need good practice at, but there is a, there is a strong component of, of nonverbal communication and emotional realism that, that really makes you good or, 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 you know, mediocre at those kinds of skills. Well, uh, you know, it, it, it opens the door to an interesting, um, uh, kind of learning that I, d- I don't think people have really thought about before. You know, um, the difference between a young manager and a seasoned manager often has to do with the ability to make sense out of people's potential and how to develop it. And you can't mm-hmm. see that. You can't see that until you've, you've seen it 500 times, say. Uh, and and what you can see after you've seen it 500 times is pretty amazing. And the possibility that you could simulate um, that kind of emotional engagement in a way that allows you to accelerate the the um, the learning of that kind of judgment that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, and, and we're definitely not there yet. I mean that that is. I mean, it's so exciting, but it's also, you know, we've got a lot of, of nuance to build into the various scenarios to, to get to where you really are identifying those kind of those markers. Yeah. Um, but obviously, even, even just even just understanding what are the best practices of, of giving, you know, constructive feedback and having a place to practice that a number of times before you get in and, and you start to bumble it as a manager and, and you, you black out and forget all your best, <laughs> all your best steps. It's like, you know, how else would you build that muscle memory? So. It, it's that it, you know the, the the kind of simulated nature of it, and, and and also just kind of the the ability to get you know exponential experience on on a number of things, not just conversational training, before you actually get thrown into the line of fire is is a really different and, and new you know new way to approach training, and and it, and it we don't really quite fully know how to, that's going to affect you know learning overall because you start to look at the types of exponential. Um, gains that we're getting and it starts to challenge, you know, how the other modalities, you know, still play. Um, so it's well, really, so, yeah, super interesting so, time. So let's, let's start from the top. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself and, and, and tell us about how you got here. 
Yeah, cool. Um, so I spent the most of my, uh, you know, my career prior to this in, in meeting and entertainment, and I was really building a lot of, um, you know, kind of core infrastructure for emerging uh, workflows, uh, caster technologies, and then distribution technologies. So, um, you know, as we went from analog to digital, in, in, you know, in the early 2000s, um, you know, the entire media industry had to kind of be re-architected, and um, I got to play a part in, in a bunch of different, you know, pieces of that, and um, I guess ultimately it kind of uh, put me on a path towards being in the thick of it when this whole XR um, wave started up in, in 2012, 2013, um, and so it started out as really you know, kind of from the technology side, being one of the capable people who could figure out, you know, solutions to really complex workflows and all the types of things we would have to overcome. Um, and at the same time, as I was, as that was happening, and it was just an exploration of the technology for technology's sake, you know, in, in the 2012 to kind of 2014 timeline, I was also spending a lot of time um, looking at, uh, you know, how, AI and, and, and computer vision and, and machine learning was going to affect uh, work. Um, I originally got into that because I was, you know, kind of interested in to, as to, well, what would it mean if we could detect things, um, you know, objects and things as it relates to media entertainment or other, other workflows. But as soon as you get down that rabbit hole, you really start to understand the landscape of, of how it will affect um, productivity, human productivity. And then it just that just opened up, you know, um, Pandora's box for for looking for ways to help offset some of that. And um, and it just so happened that this other technology that was that was I was working in in, in terms of VR and, and MR seemed to be pretty powerful for for what it could do. And so started looking at, you know, suggesting ways in which um, simulation and immersion and the types of tools that we've now been creating for years could help to, um, you know, transfer knowledge more quickly or prepare people more rapidly because the, the assumption was is that, that was going to, you know, our place in, in productivity was going to continue to evolve at an increasing pace, and therefore we needed to find a faster way to keep up. Um, and so it, it really landed us really, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, one was a, a really a real passion for, for the, the kind of macroeconomic effects and problems that are out there as it, as it pertains to this whole future of work conversation. And then the other was obviously, you know, 15 plus years of skills and experience that happened to be relevant with this new medium that was so powerful. And so, you know, down the rabbit hole we went and here we are, you know, four and a half years later, um, having built some stuff that's really getting exponential results. And, and it seems to be that there's, there's, there's a, there's a real thing here. Um, and so it's kind of exciting to see how it's going to start to play out now. So, so what exactly does your company do? We've been, you know, so we've been building, you know, VR and mixed reality, primarily uh, business solutions, um, you know, to basically rapidly train or give people experience um, as in the simplest terms. And so uh, on the VR side, that looks like, you know, stepping into a simulation, like the conversational simulation that we talked about or, or, maybe um, entering a, a customer's home to solve a problem and, and being taught like investigative skills. Um, you know, but I, I physically am present in that scenario and, and I play it out and that's how I gain my uh, experience or, or upskill myself. Um, and then on the other side in mixed reality, we're building solutions where 
we start to actually take a lot of those, what would consider be, to be job aids in the past, but really put them in the line of work. So when you are right in the heat of action, um, you know, and you're trying to remember what you're supposed to do around an installation or a certain process, um, or, or again, investigating something, we can bring up assistive technology that helps you to be confident in those decisions. And so really it collapses the, the learning and execution stack is, is, is where we really are going to go. And that, that, that starts to open up new ways um, to think about, um, you know, how frequently we can move and how comfortably we can move between positions as, as work continues to evolve. So how do you use AI or machine learning or, or, or whatever is in that bucket of near magic that people are talking about these days? How do you use that stuff to get your work done? Um, we use it a couple different places, and, 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 it's, and it's still, you know, relatively early um, in both of them. Um, you, so you can imagine in the conversational simulations, we want you to use your voice, and we want you to use your natural posture and, your, and, and be able to detect sentiment and have all of those things as inputs to affect the, the scenario you're in. So there's a lot of, of, you know, natural language processing, natural language understanding, um, we do a, quite a bit to allow you to have a flexible conversation where we map what you said to intent. So it doesn't, it can't, it, 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 we can go, let things go a bit off script. Um, so you don't feel like you're just in there doing point and click, you know, lessons. Um, so on the, on the conversational side, there's, there's quite a bit going on there. Um, on the training simulations, when it comes to process and, uh, we, we bucket things into a couple um, buckets. We, we start with object-based learning, which is, which is kind of like learning the parts of things. Um, it, what we found is pretty much every company, when you step in, there's a lot of, of just nomenclature and, and basics you really need to kind of quickly get up to speed on. And that can be a blocker for getting into the more meaningful stuff. So when it comes to object-based learning, there's quite a bit you can do. Um, around object detection, object segmentation, um, using, you know, computer vision and machine learning to, to help to accelerate some of that, that um, you know, how, how we use that or how we build those experiences. Um, in the process stuff, which is the second bucket, process-based learning, um, a lot less so, right? It, it, it really, gets, it really um, gets specific into the process, but we tend to build systems that are um, randomizable and, and more scalable so you can scale the amount of experience you can get but it's not really in that case it's, it's more like procedural systems than it is AI um, but there's you know all of these technologies um, you know play a part in in trying to get us to our end goal which is is to really render a high quality experience that has the range of diversity that that really allows you to truly you know kind of you know, achieve that new skill uh, quickly versus what we've seen in the past, which is obviously very click through or, or PowerPoint based or, or video based kind of one path type learning. And so because of that variety, we start to open up new pathways in the way, you know, we learn and, and, and encode experience. And um, so it, it, it does take quite a bit of, of, of machine learning and AI to, to go down that path. Got it. Um, so, so you're doing, what what I would think of as pretty advanced research and development, um, and um, th that's made easier by open source technologies. How, how do you think about open source stuff, and 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 are you building on 
sort of existing public knowledge to get to where you're going? Yeah, I mean, you have to, right? As a small company, I mean, we um, there's no way we can build a, a, you know, a natural language understanding stack ourselves on top of everything else we're trying to do when it comes to rendering, you know, an expressive virtual human. So, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, bringing technologies together. Um, we work from a from a for a lot of our stuff. Um, we 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 build on top of an, a game engine called Unity. And, um, and Unity has a very active community of, of people who contribute back into a, an asset store where people can buy and exchange each other's kind of sub, sub parts. Um, so there's some of that that gets shared, um, you know, openly um, and, and has become some of the low-level low stuff um, for both the, the, our virtual human technology and, and the uh, uh, job simulation technology. Um, when it comes to the actual speech and and AI stuff, we're you know we're very aware of kind of uh, you know we're, we're we're building enterprise software and and ultimately people need to feel safe in how this stuff is is being developed and so we've been leveraging you know some of um, or a significant amount of the Azure stack from Microsoft um, for for both infrastructure and for um, how we get, how we, you know, how we leverage machine learning. Um, so we're not going as far as just complete open source stuff there that, that would add another layer of, of discomfort for companies because they don't quite understand who's the, who's the board that sits behind it that is, is, you know, checking this stuff. Um, there's some really cool experiments out there and we get a lot of inspiration from them, but, but we have to be pretty cautious about going down those, those, uh, those those routes because of um, you know just having been burned in the past by project sunsetting and also it's a critical part of your software because um, we're we are we are doing a lot of you know kind of edge R and D but at the end of the day we do need it to get into customers' hands very quickly so it can't just it can't just go in there and then and then sunset <laughs> you know it has to we have to be fairly confident that it's going to be around and it's going to live on as a project or continue to to advance over over you know the coming years. The the kind of work that you're doing, I um I think it I think it is a um, a sort of a, a a bellwether thing that opens the doors to a lot of ideas we haven't really digested yet, right? And so 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 the first the first question in that area is safety, and, and I wonder mm-hmm. I wonder how you think about safety with your work. Well, physical safety, psychological safety. I mean, there's well, a lot yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. There's there's physical safety, of course, uh, but but that's kind of a machine interface question. I'm much more interested in sort of psychological and organizational safety. It's really it's a good question, and it's a, it's a tough one because um, so. I was talking with, with we, you know, we just came from um, the Oculus convention this week, which is, you know, the VR development community um, convention. And uh, I was talking yesterday with a colleague there about, about this a little bit. And, um, you know, we start, we start to open up. Well, there's, there's two different sides to it. I think there's a side of what if we don't. Right. And so if I look at um, kind of the un, un, um, unconscious, you know, uh, discomfort that's, that's right below the surface as it relates to 
um, where we're, uh, many of us are going to fit in, in the future of work and how our jobs are going to be affected by some of the technology and innovation that's happening. Um, I think that's an underlying kind of safe, psychological safety issue already. Um, and the more I talk to companies, there's, there's, there, there seems to be a, just an uneasiness about how to design where this is all going. Um, what we're trying to do, obviously, on the other side of that is provide some, some consistent framework for, for relevance. Right. And so how can I quickly move um, between whatever it was I doing I was doing to what I need to be doing um, in the most empowered possible way. Now that in its first phase, you know, we're seeing that reduced training times from, you know, from weeks to days or from months to weeks. Um, and that's, that's pretty cool. Um, in its second phase, if we really get out, get out there and we start to think about, well, what happens if I can learn skills that quickly? Um, it opens up a little bit of additional kind of um, gray area around, well, how much of how much of our work is going to move towards gigs versus careers? Because, you know, either people might want to move more freely because we've seen that trend, but we've also seen the psychological safety kind of and and dark side of the gig economy too a little bit where people feel um, they don't have community and they don't and they don't feel like they have a a foundation to build their lives upon. So I think each one of these, these topics has like really a, there's so, there's such a duality to them. And, and obviously that's partly because there's people who love both sides. Um, people, there's people who love the, the freedom of, of the gig economy. And there's people who are scared to death that they don't know if they're going to be able to make rent because they can't consistently predict, you know, the number of gigs they're going to get. And so, it's a real weird time for some of these concepts. And I think the stuff that we're working on is, is generally just trying to make sure that people are, are empowered with, with, you know, with, with the skills that are in demand so that that problem or that foundation maybe um, becomes something much more predictable. Well, um, so, so you're going, I think you're going to end up hitting questions that we don't know exist just yet. Right. And, And like, like uh, safety is such a, a, a gross uh, way of thinking about the little nuances that that um, you may teach without knowing. You know, this is this is the, um, the the most interesting thing to me about learning is that is that um, what gets taught and what's in the curriculum are often not the same things. Um, and mm-hmm. the difference between those two things is that people learn more from what the uh, instructor or the instruction medium does than what it says. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so so the capacity to transmit bad information down a training pipeline is is has always been pretty high. But as we get into these hyper intimate, hyper nuanced kinds of trainings like you're talking about doing, um, there's this, there's this crazy thing about not knowing what we're about to stumble into, and, and it requires a kind of a, a courage in the company to go down that rabbit hole. You know? Oh, for sure, for sure, and it, it's um, it's something that we obviously think think a lot about. Um, is, you know, being very careful also about the topics that we we invest in, right? So, um. You know, we're, we're looking, you know, we've been pushed towards things that um, are definitely 
I think, much more sensitive in terms of building in, you know, a, a bias or, a, you know, building in bad learning as into a more systematic or systemic, um, you know, way of doing things. Um, so, you know, we've stayed away from um, some of the things when it comes to diversity and inclusion or when it comes to um, harassment, um, because, you know, I think that's too nuanced. Um, and and is is not it's not about process. It's it's really about you know really starting to have meaningful conversations that change behavior over long periods of time. And it's not like put somebody in a simulation and wake them up to you know to this new this new this new you. Um, but there's definitely you know there's definitely a lot of, of stuff that's not that. And and so I think you definitely have to take a lot of care into into which topics you know we go down we go down um, this path in terms of the tools we have today um, I could see that stuff being you know uh, impactful in the future but but the technology is not ready for that um, even though it can be a, a, a you know a good buzzword to tackle in terms of business we're, we're being very cautious about where this stuff gets pointed because our our end goal is is, is really you know, human empowerment, you know, not, not to uh, harden code, you know, bad behaviors. Um, and, and so I, I, think, I think once you start to really, under, like it takes a, a more granular understanding of the technology stack and, and where we're at and what we can accomplish and, and what we can measure to, to be, have a very clear lens on the yes, no around certain topics. Um, but internally we, we definitely have that. And so, um, you know, we're, we're looking at things that are obviously much more kind of assistive or, or, or helpful, but not, you know, potentially as damaging when it comes to um, if it gets, if we got it wrong. Um, you know, that's just, that's just, that's a scary, it's a scary proposition. Yeah. So, so this is a, a hyper competitive environment for development talent. And you've got this sort of, uh, in addition to needing the kinds of people who are in the greatest demand, you've got kind of a um, uh, an ethical quality filter on top of that. Um, you, you don't, you're not going to want people who solve problems just to solve them. You're going to want people who solve problems with some care. How in the world do you find them, and how do you compete for them? It's an interesting. You know, we're also bringing. You know, so a lot of what we use at the lowest level has been historically used in media entertainment or game, gaming, right? Because real-time engines were developed in those those fields. And so a lot of the people that go in to do that kind of work, you know, they their eyes haven't necessarily been opened to what we're talking about. And so um, it, it, that's definitely a challenge. But there's, I think there's a there's a there's a growing. What we're finding is there's consistently kind of a growing. Um, I wouldn't call it like entry, the, the people who are just entering their career, but people who have been in their career for call it, you know, five, seven, you know, 10 years, um, there's, there's an awakening there in terms of the power of the tools that they've been taught. And that can, that, that can be in the machine learning field or the, the computer vision field or, or in game development. Um, and we find that that's where talent really wakes up to want to work on something like what we're trying to do. Um, obviously we would love, we would love everybody to, to, to want to jump in, the, you know, in the water and help us. But, um, what we've seen is that it takes, you know, um, because, because we're pulling people out of what they, what their mind, they had their mind set on and into a, a new realm. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it adds an extra layer of complexity in terms of getting development talent. But, um, 
you know, we're, we're finding pockets, you know, we're global too, by the way. So that's the thing is, is, is you, you know, at this point, you know, have to go global for talent. So we're already, we're already basically working in uh, five offices, um, you know, two in Europe, one in Canada, two in the U S um, all with kind of their own specialization. Um, so we've started to try to, you know, try to go where, where the talent is. Um, but it's been, it's been a definitely, um, I think it just like everybody else, you know, I mean, this is, this is one of the key critical elements of, of, of anybody being successful right now is, is finding the skills and the talent to work on problems that they didn't even fully understand that their skills were relevant for before. So we've spent a, a bunch of this conversation has already touched on the ethical issues in the work. Are there, are there any key ethical issues you'd like to highlight uh, that are part of the work? Um, well, we, you know, there's some interesting stuff, obviously, around um, measurement and and uh, and kind of like uh, people analytics. That that obviously is um, is another big open area uh, here. And and I, and I I think you know again this is one of these 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 touchy you know could could go either way kind of topics, but. Um, you know, I think I think that getting to like a true, uh, a, a more a more um, accurate evaluation of somebody's skills or competency um, when they've been given an opportunity to practice, because the simulation gives them the chance to to really you know get more proficient at that. Um, that that's an interesting area, right? So I look at the way or the discussions we have with with large corporations and and how they measure readiness. Um, and then, and then how ineffective that measurement for readiness can be, because the churn statistics, you know, months or, or weeks later, um, are too high. Like you should have been able to predict that that person was either not a good fit or that was they were not ready. Um, and so, there's it's, it, it is an ethical area because obviously the deeper you get into measuring anything, the more you know it, it's a little bit scary. Um, but I, I think the offset to that is is the empowerment part, which is give people the opportunity to practice. Um, don't just throw them to something and measure them and then, and then make, you know, harsh decisions, you know, empower them with the, the tools that actually get them up to preparedness and then, and then, and then look at how they performed and then, and then have the discussions around, you know, if they're in the right place or not. So I think um, outside of the, you know, kind of the AI, um, you know, uh, algorithms and bias and, and conversational models and all those things. I think really the the people and performance analytics piece is another um, area that we're we're spending a lot of time on and and kind of excited to see that progress because um, I think it has the potential to to really help offset some of uh, you know people just being put in positions that they weren't they weren't they weren't the right fit for and that's obviously not good for anybody. Well, we should we should have another one of these conversations where that's all we talk about, right? Because because as I listen to you, yeah. as I listen to you there, I thought, oh, oh, he's talking about teaching the test, and mm-hmm. uh, um, that's that. I think that's an interesting twentieth century view of how work is and how people are. Um, but but I, I am profoundly persuaded that the, the work of the 21st century is going to be work that you can't really understand the test unless it's vocational stuff like IT is becoming where it's where it's a mechanical yeah. technology that you do but if if you're in the if you're in a job where you have to juggle machine output 
and make up the difference between an 80% probability of being right and actually making a decision. Um, um, exactly what you don't need to do is pass the test um, 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 in, in the way that, we, that we're currently doing in our public schools. So that would yeah, be a great I, conversation I think, to get to. Well, I, I just, just on that topic, I mean, I think the, the, the notion of the test that you're taking is actually even, is even quietly, uh, potentially changing a lot. So, so we've talked about very, um, you know, very direct examples of, of where I'm going to go into a job and by be able to simulate that job, that actual job, um, I become more prepared. Um, there's another layer of, of, of what's going on here where, um, you know, there's, there's, some movement, obviously, in the HR space, especially where where people are using kind of neuro neuroscience backed um, games to assess deeper, you know, traits and natural abilities, and and all of that, uh, you know, when you when you take away 2D interfaces and you put people back into a spatial reality, a, a virtual or you know something where you've got your hands, you can move freely, you can solve problems that just the way you would if you didn't have any barriers, any any motor or cognitive barriers between you and and, and the screen, um, that that gets pretty interesting in terms of, of what types of you know puzzles you know puzzle games do we build to help assess things that are not you know the direct practice because I think you're right, John. I think it's like, I think a lot of this is going to become you know it needs to be kind of a more um, a more core level assessment of am I am I really a good agile thinker? Um, where do I you know if 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 my desk becomes chaos. <laughs> How long does it take me to become um, productive again? Um, right. Because those are the kinds of things that that obviously uh, you know probably are going to more accurately predict somebody's success when they're going into some of these unknown spaces where work is changing so much. So, so I, I I mean it's an area of extreme like passion for us that we're trying to get to. Obviously, we're trying to walk people um, forward step by step into understanding all of these different. Um, uh, benefits that come out of kind of this this new spatial computing landscape. So, but yeah, it, it's a that's a super interesting topic. Yeah, well, well, let's get to that the next time. Meanwhile, we're we're at the close of our time together. Would you take a moment um, to uh, reintroduce yourself? Tell people how they might get a hold of you. Yeah, so my name is Kyle Jackson. I'm um, the co-founder and, and CEO of, of Tailspin. Um, you can find us at uh, tailspin.company, spelled out on the web, and on Twitter also at, uh, at Tailspin Company for our handle. Thanks, Kyle. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I look forward to spending a little bit more time with you later on. You've yeah, been listening to not. HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Kyle Jackson, who is leading the front end of, of the delivery of VR to um, – <clears throat> HR applications in a company called Tailspin. You can find them at tailspin.company. Um, please look up Kyle Jackson. You're going to be hearing lots about him in the future. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks again for doing this, Kyle. And we will see you here same time two weeks from now. This time next week, we'll be coming live from the HR Tech Conference. And, and Stacey Harris and I will be giving you an update about what happened. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. 